This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. You always watch your emails, your calls, letting us know, okay, you guys are way off base there, or hey, guys, really wonderful show. Always love it, and I think we get enough of that reinforcement, so I'm not sucking up, ladies and gentlemen, but on the podcast, you can feel free to give us a rating and review. Subscribe to the Kelly and Rumya podcast. Rumya's at the studio in Toronto. Kelly McDonald here at the studio in London, Ontario. And joining us to give us some headlines as we've put him to work. Really busy week for Grant Hardy. First week back after his extended vacation. Oh, let's bring him in to work his tail off again as we get into headlines. Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramia. Always try to make sure that, uh, sir, you get enough center stage action here on the program. Always wonderful to have you on board. How are things out in BC? Uh, we've got a cold uh, cold week here coming up. An unusual uh, cold snap for us. I think you guys in Toronto and the rest of Canada would just laugh at us, unfortunately. But we are looking at dipping into the negative temperatures, possibly as low as like negative 9 or 10 at night uh, this week. Wow. So mm. I, can feel, wow. I can feel your, your, your violin uh, <laughs> it's tugging at your heartstrings. No, no, I know. no. R- Ramya would still complain and be upset and cold, tell hey, you how I cold am an it empathetic is. person. I don't want anybody to be cold. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't want people to talk smack about Torontonians either. It's just saying. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. I would. I'm all in good fun. Um, so I want to just chat about. Uh, uh, article I found in the CBC about a new report on what teachers and parents can do to tackle. Uh, it's a regular, uh, regular new term called tech facilitated sexual violence uh, against uh, teens. And this covers quite a lot of things, including uh, cyber flashing, which is receiving unwanted images, sextortion, which is coercion to share intimate images or videos, non-consensual sharing of intimate images and cyber-stalking via GPS locators and social media apps, as well as AI-generated deepfake images and videos, which are also uh, starting to spread. Uh, so they, they say that uh, this report has found very inconsistent instruction about topics linked to sen- sexual or gender-based violence like this in schools. Depending on the region, uh, they could be explored in a life skills class, phys ed, health communications, or perhaps even computer studies. Uh, sometimes few jurisdictions in Canada are really referencing more recent technology like social media or AI, nor do most address the connections between what happens to students online and offline. And some teachers are reporting that uh, they have uh, no uh, no real knowledge or training about how to teach these subjects and struggle to get through very vague 
curriculum expectations. Uh, so the report feels that uh, elementary age children can learn about principles like respect, consent, uh, right to privacy, bodily autonomy, and being a good digital citizen uh, long before they start learning about sexuality or sexual violence. In terms of uh, coercive or unwanted behavior, it is important to instill a sense of you know, legal versus illegal, right versus wrong. Uh, but they also make a really interesting point for both students and parents, which is to change our like shaming mentality for victims. Right. So they, it literally says like most kids will not go to their parent, uh, to an adult if they're having a problem, because most people will just say, you know, you're an idiot for doing this. You shouldn't have shared whatever you shared. You shouldn't have gotten into trouble. Uh, and they really just say to keep like an open mind, just help your kid or teen move forward through whatever it is that they're dealing with and really set up that trusting like relationship so that kids know that they can go to you if they are victims you're not going to punish them. You're going to, mm. you know, be open-minded and listen and support to help them understand that there's a way forward, basically. Thoughts? Uh, basically, there's a lot of, like, mentality shift that has to happen for this, right? And and not just necessarily the people who are directly dealing with the children, um, but for this concept, this theory, this, I don't know, breaking of cycles to happen to begin with, Grant. Correct. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely being about, oh, you know, 15 years out of high school for, for myself, yep. a, a lot of these threats weren't really, hadn't really emerged, although there was the emergence of, you know, serious bullying and shaming on social media, you know, where people mm -hmm. wouldn't even like le legit set up, you know, a page just to bully or harass someone. Yeah. Uh, one yeah. thing that I definitely noticed, and I'm incredibly grateful for, you know, having a supportive family, you know, myself, but, you know, a lot of kids that I knew who were victims of, you know, stuff that maybe they were just pressure to do and it got a little bit away from them would go to their parents and be told you know we're taking away all your technology and we're grounding you for you know the next like month or whatever and just like insane stuff that would make me think as a kid like okay obviously uh whatever happens to me now i'm just going to keep a secret from yes. the adults yep. around yep. me yep. so that's and how do you grow like the problem is as you get older, you gain knowledge about how to deal with people, how to read people, and whatever personal, private things you get into, you hopefully have learned what to do to protect yourself, to trust the person, to be at a certain point in a relationship before you're going to be willing to do certain things. But when you're a teenager with peer pressure and other things in play, you, you're going to make mistakes. That's what you're supposed to do to a point. You just hope that God, the, the mistakes don't end up devastating you or embarrassing yourself, family, your any, but mostly that you have outlets to be able to go and say, I have a problem. I'm in a bit of trouble here. Can we talk? Because that's the only way to understand or learn what we may have done, how we may have been a little wrong, where we went wrong, or how to dig our way out of it. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah. too, this um, extends into a lot of the different things that we know, like... Uh, 
victims of sexual assault or victims of any kind of harassment and abuse that are who are children who have to appear in court and the conversations we have around that uh you know do 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 we make the system a safe space a comfortable space for people to feel like they can talk and we know that you know, a lot of the times children are not talking at home, they're not talking at school, they're not talking to their friends. It's a completely isolated experience. And so then when um, situations come out where, you know, charges have to be pressed or people have to relay things to, you, I, I want to say bigger people, you, but you know what I mean, in bigger circumstances, in mm -hmm. more defensive ways, and also like a, a more pressure, right, because of the way that these systems are run, um, you're just extending the trauma and yep. deepening it. Yeah, because these sure. things can go yeah. on and extend college, workplaces. Yeah, yeah. So many of these things that if you have not nothing had that's properly taught the tools, if you haven't been, you can be in a horrible, scary, dangerous situation at any point. Yeah. And we do need to yeah. know how to say, "Hey, I need help here." Yeah, and just, just. Uh, Hopefully, there's maybe becoming a little bit of understanding about, you know, the human behavior and experience, but just all these things like, you know, if you are, if you are traumatized by something horrible that happens to you, you might, you know, be more prone to take riskier actions moving forward yourself yes. or, you know, like act out yourself, you know, contact that person again, like there, yes. are, there are all sorts of things that these people do where, you know, like you were saying about core, you know, people, well, well, why would you, why would you have done that? You know, this like undermines your story, whatever. But we actually know that, you know, that's sort of the psychology of being humans is that people's mm -hmm. behavior and emotions are not always uh, linear. So I, I definitely feel for people these days, there's a lot of stuff that we have to work through, a lot of threats that we're navigating. <gasps> So, folks, I have kind of a like a, a three strikes rule for for headlines. If we don't get to something a few days, a weeks in a row, whatever, I I just think like it wasn't meant to be. Mm. Um, so this was the this was the last strike for I this. I think that's one. the only and... sports reference I've ever heard this guy make. <laughs> that's three strikes. Exactly, what? Right? Grant. Oh, I can make a um, hockey reference every once in a while, Kelly. No, I know you, you know it's baseball. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. But then you said hockey. Yeah. I'm like, am I wrong oh, about he this? Knows. No, he, this is baseball. He loves sports. Sure. Kelly knows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, new research suggests that nearly 60% of public spaces in Calgary, Vancouver, and Ottawa are either inaccessible or partially inaccessible Ooh. to people with disabilities. Uh, so the report comes from the U uh, University of uh, Calgary, led by Mapping Our Cities for All project. Uh, it's aimed at hope, helping the government, hopefully with their goal of the Accessible Canada Act. Of the three cities, the research found Calgary finished last with 35% of buildings mapped deemed accessible, compared to 48% in Vancouver and 58%, uh, sorry, do I have that right? 53% uh, in Ottawa. Uh, so that's pretty depressing. Uh, and this was pretty uh, 
inclusive of like geographic data, how easy it is to get in and out, how easy it is to park, et cetera. Uh, and there is an app, which I believe is called Access Now, yes, uh, mm -hmm. where uh, apparently they're encouraging people to uh, crowdsource on the mobile app, collect shared in, uh, accessibility information for cities across Canada. And hopefully once we measure that data, we can use people's collected experience and perspectives to improve our buildings. So you know what I noticed the bit most? Of a downer. Yeah, it is. But again, you can stop and say, well, of course, a lot of these places are older. The fact to retrofit places to do what we need them to do in the way of accessibility is going to cost. We're always hearing about that. But it's a fact. You got to do it. And where I realized it a lot was voting. Anytime I'd go vote, or go to a place where that was being done, it was often in an inaccessible place. Or you'd get the list of accessible places that took people way the hell out of their way to go and vote, and you stop and say, well, hold it. So now we found other ways, but because you needed all these schools, these facilities, churches, places that not necessarily could be part of that or were not on the list to be retrofitted, to, for them to go in and say, how can we make this more accessible? No matter how much we can say, well, what, a school should be accessible. You, there are children in wheelchairs, people who are blind, other accessible needs that have to be met, but not so, not high on the priority list. And also so many that I'm sure they look at the list and say, oh, huge. Yeah, it's a good point about voting. Good point about voting. I always find it uh, not funny, haha, but just more ironic to go to a building, which, you know, in my mind, not being a wheelchair user myself, I would think, you know, this would be pretty accessible overall except that they maybe have three stairs leading into the yes. building towards the right. elevator. And that just makes you kind of yep. shake your head. Yeah. Hmm. It's probably be a way you could fancy. put a little ramp at, there. At one point, stairs must have just been fancy. Sometimes I, I find them in places where, what the heck are they here? <laughs> I know you got to go down like three feet or whatever because the the way the building's designed, but there had to be a time in history where it was, <laughs> yeah, just put out a little bit. Let's put some stairs in here. Oh, they look good. Yeah. Look at those there stairs. There you go, decorative stairs, a nice yeah. little, I don't know, <laughs> banister or something just to make it fancy. No real purpose. Thanks, Grant. Awesome uh -huh. stuff. Thank you. Oh, always a pleasure. Until next time. Grant Hardy brings us headlines on Mondays and Wednesdays on the program. Please do check out uh, when he's here and available. And we have always these great conversations that lead, as we said at the top of the show, to so many different thoughts and, and viewpoints. Coming up next, the Golden Globe Awards took place Sunday night. Good numbers, too, on these. Greg David unpacks all this during the TV talk next. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. Hi, I'm Ramya Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.